My name is Eric Martel, and welcome back to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today, I have the pleasure of uh, speaking with uh, Jesse DeLillo, uh, who is the CEO of JSJ Sustainable Investments. So they're uh, an investment, real estate investment company. They're currently investing in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and they're doing very well. And um, I just connected with Jesse a few days ago, and um, I, when he told me his story and uh, what uh, with his parents and how he, they got started into real estate investing. I thought it was a real inspire, inspiration and I wanted to share that with you. And uh, it's also a very interesting story. So Jesse, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, Eric. Yeah, so tell us a little bit first about kind of like what you're doing right now in terms of real estate investment in the last couple of years and uh, tell us about Pittsburgh, why you invested in Pittsburgh and stuff like that. All right. Um, so right now we are focused mainly on the fix and flip market in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, we chose Pittsburgh uh, mainly because of the job growth in the area and um, in the fact that the four-year education rate has, uh, college education rates gone up over 100% over the past five years. Um, so that's increasing uh, the education in the area, which in turn, you know, higher paying jobs. So uh, Pittsburgh in general uh, put $2 billion into healthcare, uh, into three new specialty hospitals from UMPC, who is the largest employer in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, and then the, there's uh, Carnegie Mellon, the AI artificial intelligence, as well as um, over 200 tech startup companies. You also have the big ones like Google, Facebook, Uber, Duolingo. Um, they're all there. So yeah. clearly there's a lot happening in Pittsburgh uh, and that that's really why we realized Duolingo was there. Yeah. That's where their headquarters is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we chose the market based on job growth. Uh, we use a program called PropStream to help identify markets uh, that are lucrative for investing. Uh, so one of, one of the things that's on PropStream is uh, you can see a heat map pretty much of, of where the um, price growth is and, okay month over month, year over year, uh, we looked at different trends and, and decided that Pittsburgh uh, was a really good market for us. So currently we work on fix and flip projects. Uh, we have private investors fund those deals either uh, with checking savings accounts or self-directed IRA accounts. Mm -hmm. um, we can help them out anyway, and we pay anywhere from eight to 12% depending on uh, the size of the project. Wow, that's very good. So have you looked at other markets uh, besides Pittsburgh before investing there? Yeah, we did. We we actually had started uh, the fix and flip process in California, uh, where where my parents were located at the time in Fresno, and there was just, you know, the margins were not as good uh, as the Midwest. So we've looked at markets uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. I have a couple of friends there. Oh, I actually lived there for five years. Okay. Um. So I do have some connections in Cincinnati. We looked at Indianapolis, yeah. uh, Men Memphis, where you invest um, mm -hmm. from a from a company called Memphis Invest okay. that we almost bought a couple of turnkeys from, but wound up heading a different direction. Yeah. And we're also looking at, at Florida. So uh, Vero Beach is a really great area as far as like high-end um, listing goes. But with what's happening right now in the market, I don't know about luxury real estate. So mm -hmm. uh, we may stay away from that. We also have a, uh, our tax lien business was started in Florida. So we have some property there. Okay. Um, one specifically in Port Charlotte on a canal that we were looking at developing. And um, now, you know, probably going to head a different direction with that as well. Yeah. Well, the Airbnb is what we wanted to do on it. Uh, yeah. Sleep anywhere oh, from okay, 10 to 15 yeah. people. Um, the rates yeah. for those are 
over 200 a night. So yeah, we're looking at building something there. And then when uh, my mom is ready to get out of California, she can go live there uh, okay. and retire. So mm -hmm. yeah, Airbnb, that's going to be uh, difficult. Uh, it must be difficult for the people that, you know, really invested in that, in that area. Yeah. There's actually a guy I know here who was renting apartments specifically for that. So yeah. he got a penthouse in one of these new buildings and mm -hmm. then six other units in the building. And now, Nobody's renting Airbnb. So did he own did he own the units or he he, uh, he did rental? Uh... He did a rental, so he's okay. he's renting them. Um, the building initially didn't want to have uh, rentals in there. They didn't yeah. want you to do the short term rentals, but they only had forty percent occupancy. So mm -hmm. we worked out a deal with them to rent six units and then the penthouse unit. Okay, uh, but unfortunately yeah no yeah so yeah i know a couple of people here too that they they do kind of like uh, what they call like the rental arbitrage so they basically yeah. rent uh, the uh, an apartment and then post that on airbnb and all that and i mean you're on the hook for the uh, for the rent and that so you have to talk to your your landlord and say hey, i want to get out of that or, or you had a, an, an agreement beforehand yeah, hopefully you had something worked in there because I know each one of the six units is thirty five hundred um, a month. Yeah. So I don't know what the penthouse was, but I can. I know I've looked at you know I've looked at a couple of units just seeing what the uh, what the rates were, and some of them are seven, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a month. So wow, yeah, that could be that could be really bad for his yeah. whole business. And I know that one of them, I think he, uh, one of the investors that I talked to, like he had that in his rental agreement that if it didn't rent, then, you know, he was off the hook, basically. He could basically, uh, you know, kind of uh, skip the month or uh, or do something else or back out of the lease altogether. Yeah, that would be nice. Well, if if you have a building, like these brand new commercial buildings are, they're putting up, um, there's a rental shortage here in, in California, mm -hmm. especially in San Diego. There's a lot of units they're short on, but you can't afford the rents, you know. Yeah. A lot of people can't afford to pay thirty five hundred dollars a month for these apartments, yeah. and even even studios over, you know, twenty five hundred dollars. It's, you know, that's not really solving the uh, housing crisis here. Yeah. So, oh yeah, for uh, sure. If they head that different direction for yeah. the Airbnb side, maybe you know they can at least get some income coming in. Mm -hmm. And right now we're just April second, so uh, started. Oh, you collect rent at all in uh, in Pittsburgh? You don't? Have, you have any rentals in Pittsburgh? Uh, we actually flipped our rentals so we have one our last our last rental is now on the market uh just okay. listed a few days ago so that was the one where the tenant stole the kitchen because right now we're in the process of collecting rent and so far in cleveland and in memphis so so far so far so good uh with what's going on with uh, covid19 um, we were afraid that people would have a job or something that would have reduced uh, work hours and then uh, we wouldn't be able to pay rent but so far so good we'll see a little bit uh We'll have more information uh, next week. Uh, yeah. So uh, Jesse, tell me, let's go back and see kind of like what you got started. I think you have a, you're, you're in a very good position right now. You have uh, a lot of investment, a lot of experience. I think last year, how many projects did you do last year? Uh, so we did 23 turnkeys with our old business partner. And then we transitioned out of that and uh, we started the fix and flips and had four going. Uh, now we have, looking at my board, we have three going right now. We have one, uh, one listed up in that northern market where we used to have our rentals and did the turnkeys. Yeah. And now we have uh, another one that listed on Wednesday 
uh, joint venture agreement with a, a fellow fortune builder student. Okay, yeah, yeah. And a fortune builder lender too. So. Oh wow. The yeah. Grand Cap, Grand Coast, is that the one? Or? No, no, a private investor from oh, Fortune yeah. Builders. So. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, so that's, yeah, so you're, you're doing very well. Uh, and I think there are a lot of people that, you know, are really, they want to be a successful investor like yourself. And uh, so maybe we can go back and see kind of uh, like where, where you got started, where you got the inspiration to go into the real estate business. Uh, so it actually all started on a, on a hockey trip when I was cool. about, 14, 15 years old, I saw this infomercial uh, about tax lien investing. Mm -hmm. And every trip that we went away, I'd stay up too late watching this, these infomercials, and it was the same one over and over. Uh, and I finally convinced my parents to buy the program. Um, they went out and, and we, we purchased the, the tax lien investing strategy, guy, whatever it was at the time. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't able to start an LLC by myself. So again, I had to do some convincing and saved up all my money and we put it into tax, the tax lien business in Florida. Mm -hmm. um, we did that for quite a few years. It was very lucrative. Uh, Florida pays 18% uh, wow. interest on those tax liens. So that was nice. Uh, we redeemed a couple. Uh, we mostly went after vacant land mm -hmm. uh, with, with the hope that eventually, you know, they'd either pay us back 18% or they'd, you know, lose, lose the land. So mm -hmm, yeah. Uh, we, we got a few of those, sold them to developers, and but we really liked the idea of the whole fix and flip process. Yeah. So that's what uh, my mom and I really enjoyed. You know, always everyone watching HGTV, mm -hmm. uh, we, they had heard a ad for Fortune Builders um, yeah. and decided to go to the three-day event. I was still in school at the time. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I graduated in uh, 2016, we decided to go full in, join Fortune Builders and... Uh, launched our JSJ Sustainable Investments Company. Okay. We started here in California, and Fresno is where my parents were at the time. Mm -hmm. um, started wholesaling and flipping, and then got into, uh, at, at my father passed away, unfortunately, in 2017. Um, so we kind of took a pause there and decided, yeah. you know, that we were gonna head a different direction. Um, I connected with an investor in Los Angeles through LinkedIn, um, who was doing the out-of-state turnkey model. Uh, yeah. So we uh, we joined forces with him and partnered up to start that model over in Western Pennsylvania, where he had already done over 2,500 transactions. So that was the bread and butter in that area. Yeah, so that was a really, you know, a, a good spot. But as as we went there um, and saw it and, and were looking at the project, it just really wasn't exactly what we had uh, what we had wanted to do. You know, mm -hmm. the. The, the full gut renovations are a little bit more inciting, plus the yeah. uh, returns on them. You know, instead of spending four or five months on these, e even even the short ones, you know, 30 to 60 days, mm -hmm. um, you're only making maybe ten to $15,000, yeah. uh, which for the time and effort and, and all of the paperwork that involves the taxes, we decided let's, let's shift the model. Let's mm -hmm. go down into uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is an hour and a about an hour and 15 minutes south of there yeah. uh, where there's actually job growth. Um, that, that Newcastle hermitage share and market, it was it, decent cash flow um, mm -hmm. on the properties, but unfortunately there's not a lot of jobs in the area. So yeah, yeah. Um, we decided that that really wasn't the best model for us. So we're uh, trying to get rid of our last rental up there now uh, that we wound up flipping after the tenants destroyed it. So oh, really? yeah, they stole our kitchen. Oh really? Uh, 
cabinets, wow. countertops, uh, ripped the backsplash off, which took the wall as well. Um, wow. Appliances, everything. Left all their stuff though. We had people steal the <laughs> furnace, uh, you know, in in a plot in a furnace closet and stuff. They stole the whole uh, furnace. I was like, wow, that's this is amazing. But stealing a kitchen, the that's, kitchen, uh, that's another level. Yeah. Well, they took the water meter. Um, they took the they shut off the gas and took the gas. We took all the meters. I guess they weren't wow. going to pay their bills that month, um, and then disappeared. So we had bought the property sight unseen yeah. um, with the tenant in place. They'd lived yeah. there seven years. Um, raised the rent $25 and then never heard back from them. Mm -hmm. And then by the time we got there, we realized why we didn't hear back from them. Clearly they didn't want to pay the uh -huh. extra 25 bucks. Wow. <laughs> and again, re another reason why we really didn't want to be in that area. Yeah. And now, uh, so yeah, let's go back to, uh, so tax lien. So, you know, it, you felt that it was uh, when you start doing the tax lien, obviously it was good return, 18% mm -hmm. return. And then on top of that, with you, sell the land or something like that some developers i'm sure your return is probably even higher than yeah we got some of them for like 1600 dollars and sold them yeah. for 15 grand so so and then but that model was a little bit too uh too much spreadsheet it was so long i mean you get uh, you get a list from the county that's um 1500 properties or you know that was my job was to go through each one of them and identify the best candidates for us to go bid on and then you'd have to fly down to florida and, and do it in person oh you um, had to be there to uh, yeah you had to be there oh. so the last time uh, the time we decided that we had to shift models we flew down there and every property we wanted was overbid by a foreign investor um yeah. you know the guy in the back of the room on the phone throwing his hand up for any any time so mm -hmm. we decided that uh this was no longer the model for us and yeah. let's move on to something that's more lucrative that gets gets the return a little bit faster yeah and your goal right now is just basically i mean you're you're young obviously and uh i know your mother is involved as well in the uh mm -hmm. in the business and all of that but your goal right now is to basically have like a, a flip kind of business and then generate revenue like that you have better returns than if you were to do uh let's say just the passive income is that uh, is that the so I like I like this model, the fix and flip model, because we're going after you know fifteen plus percent returns. Um, those are the properties that we're looking at. That's after you know the investors paid out their eight to twelve. So if we could continue to do properties like that uh, mm -hmm. and stack our um, capital up, I want to eventually move into the multifamily space. Okay, yeah. So my goal for the end of this year is to take these uh, these five flips, take all of that uh, income from it, and move it into a smaller apartment building um, yeah, yeah. or mixed use building somewhere. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of, you know, the, ca the monthly cash flow coming in and we were excited when we started purchasing rentals, uh, as single families, but realized that, you know, instead of replacing one roof on a building, you're replacing four roofs on four different units. And yeah. And also the, the way the, the property is being uh, evaluated or appraised yeah. is, is vastly different. And yeah, exactly. Right. So I mean, based on ARV is still make it a single family, right? I mean, it's a good way to get started. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, but yeah, definitely multifamily. That's where, um, that's where you want to go eventually. And this is what we tell our investors as well is that, you know, yes, if you're new to this, just start with some turnkey rentals, you know, make sure you want to be a landlord and all yeah. of that, right. Because there's some, uh, it's not always, uh, 
you know, not always easy. Definitely uh, not. Then, you know, then after that, once you build a little bit of a portfolio, then you can do an ex uh, 1031 exchange or, mm -hmm. and then move it into a multifamily or do other types of investments. So, yeah. Yeah, I would really like to, um, I, I really want to take advantage of the cash out refi. So we're mm -hmm. looking for a lot of value add and we know we can uh, turn the units around rather rather quickly uh, with, yeah. with our two construction teams there. So um, as soon as we can get that new valuation after even, you know, a year or less would, would be ideal to do the cash out refi on the new NOI. But yeah. Exactly. And then you can have, you can have non-recourse loan and then you end up into completely different uh, things as opposed to the, the residential piece. I mean, you, you, you can, you can't really get like a, a non-recourse loan no. for these deals. So, And a lot of the times the bank doesn't really want to, um, you know, the banks that we were working with didn't want to fund these smaller deals anyway, the smaller single yeah. families yeah. making under 75,000, they didn't want to touch. And that was really our bread and butter with the turnkey model. So yeah. um, we were having to find a lot of buyers that had cash instead of um, being able to finance. And that's why we're looking at possibly starting the turnkey model again, but in Pittsburgh where they're able to, the investors would at least be able to get financing on the homes yeah. and not have to use all cash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for us, it took us a while to find a lender that was able to, uh, typically our properties in Cleveland, they're you know, 80 to $100,000. Uh, same similarly in Memphis uh, and uh, what happened yeah we had to find a, a, a lender that was willing to uh, to lend um, to uh, to investors for these kinds of uh, these kinds of prices yeah typically it's very challenging if you're trying to get a lender for less than a hundred thousand dollars you know they're not interested doesn't yeah so we were we were able to it took a while but we were able to find one lender and now this is the lender that we recommend for uh, oh that's you know, and we're pretty closely, yeah, we're pretty closely integrated with them. We don't get any referral fees or anything like that. We just, for us, it helps us because it moves, the deal moves, uh, moves a lot quicker uh, when we use that. They don't have to look for a lender. They don't have to call a hundred lenders like we did. Yeah. Well, we found that hard money lenders are the only ones who would even, you know, kind of touch those. Um, and then they don't have the best terms, you know, 9%. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we never actually use, I, I, I talked to a bunch of uh, hard money lenders for other deals when we were trying to do flips here in California. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, the terms were not really that good. And also how the, the funds were being dispersed was also not ideal. Yeah. Um, so we, we didn't really like that. And then when you put, plug that into your model, uh, it's, <laughs> Yeah, it really it has a very negative impact on uh, on your return. So yeah, I mean we've used hard money before. Um, we actually have a hard money loan on one of the houses now. Yeah, um, we needed the we needed it quick, and our investors didn't have you know four hundred thousand sitting around at the time. Yeah. Um, now that we have more clients, obviously we would have done it that way. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's the numbers. The numbers definitely are a little tighter when you're when you're dealing with them. Exactly. And now, so for that lender, uh, they have they have to have like W two income. They have to have like two years of W two income. Okay. But then, obviously, we have you know some investors that don't have that, like like you and I probably. You know, just like oh, <laughs> can't get a loan for some reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we have uh, then in that case, we either send them to a non qualified mortgage uh, lender. Uh, or we uh, we do seller financing. So we have a few okay. properties that we did seller financing. 
and uh, that made a made a lot of sense for us because we we end up having uh, a properties that's cash flowing. We don't have the property, but it's there's a positive cash flow and a good return on that cash flow. Yeah, amount of money we have left in the deal. Um, and then the uh, the buyer, the investor has a great return. We make sure that they have a great return as well. And uh, so it just cuts the uh, the pie right in the middle uh, in terms of returns for both the investors and ourselves. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I've seen, um, I was actually getting your emails before we, we ever oh. talked. Um, about about the turnkeys that you had available, and you, uh-huh. you guys really have a lot of a lot of good returns. So, I like the I like the model, and it would be nice to duplicate in in uh, the markets that were already set up. Yeah, I mean, we can definitely talk about that. Um, not on this call, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's uh, um, Pittsburgh has always been a very interesting market to me, so I really like it. Lots of investments, and as you mentioned, I mean, the you know technology like Google, Facebook, and um, you know, great university and also great healthcare. These are the kind of things that we're looking for also when in the other markets. We're looking for business diversity, um, but uh, there's a couple of sectors that we really like, healthcare and then um, technology and then the distribution uh, and logistics. So it's FedEx, UPS, uh, and everything that relies on the online uh, industry, yeah. Amazon. So we have uh, in Cleveland with, Two of the areas that we investing in are actually Amazon distribution centers. Okay. Built there, um, and obviously in in Memphis we have FedEx with uh, you know the big cargo uh, area there, cargo airport. Yeah, Amazon almost came to Pittsburgh, but they they're in like the top three list for their new center as at last year, uh, mm-hmm. but they wound up losing to I think it was in New York they moved it to. I think they moved to New York and then I think I don't they uh they they had a deal and then I think there was something wrong with the deal or they yeah. somebody was talking bad about uh Amazon and then they held off. I think they're not doing it anymore. And I don't know if they're going it where they're going. I don't remember. Hopefully Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> oh Memphis. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of those. Yeah. So, any uh, any kind of uh, word of advice that you would give to somebody that is uh, started? Like, if you look back at uh, when you started and you did your uh, beginning training, uh, after you moved from tax lien to uh, to flipping and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of changes, right? I mean, you have to, you change your 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 strategy from mm-hmm. tax lien investing out of state to flipping in California to like looking out of state, uh, looking, doing turnkey and rentals and all of that. So any uh, word of advice that you would give to, uh, to people that are really interested in getting started in real estate? Uh, do a lot of research, do a lot of research and don't be afraid to pay for training either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people, they'll start out with something and not have uh, the education to, to actually execute it right mm-hmm. um so they may start buying properties out of state but have no idea what to do after don't really know uh yeah. tax laws don't have a llc set up you know you, mm-hmm. you think you have to take the right steps um before you get started and um you know just continue to network and expand with people i think it's better to joint venture on on deals when you're starting um if, if you're a new investor you know, partner with somebody who's maybe more experienced. Uh, yeah. Maybe you bring some extra funding, or um, and they bring the experience. I mean, we we do that now um, with 
the joint venture we just listed mm -hmm. um, found uh, she found the project she was there on the ground actually doing all of the work yeah. and um, we were just help guiding along the way and also found the the lender for it as well so okay. yeah that's good yeah I think um, yeah I think that I mean that's right I think when people especially at the beginning I think people kind of get distracted there's like there are so many different ways to invest in real estate yeah and then it seems that the more you learn about the the different ways the more exciting the next one is and then you just keep switching from one to the next and uh but you can make money in every one of them yeah absolutely uh, so there's no so anybody that uh, is listening or interested in real estate investing you should really dive in and then uh, focus on something that you're really interested in. And as you suggested, also get the knowledge that you need to, to be successful in there. This is key. And then uh, if you don't have the knowledge or the access, then partner up with somebody, do a joint venture, or find somebody that's gonna, just going to create a company together. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and then really fine-tune that strategy and... and uh, you know, and yeah, and, and make sure that it makes money and stuff like that. You can make some adjustments, some tweaks and stuff like that, but don't abandon it too quickly. No, definitely not. That's my recommendation. And then kind of like adjust the market, change the market, change the type your investment criteria, change this, change that and stuff like that. Still the same kind of strategy. Uh, find maybe other resources to, to uh, if you identify some gaps and stuff like that. Yeah. But, I like work that that strategy to its limit. Yeah, there's a lot of I, I see a lot of investors who um, get like shiny object syndrome. You yeah. know, they say, "Oh, this person made forty percent, uh, so yeah. I got to do what they're doing." And it's yeah, like exactly. you have to focus on your first business. We we built our first company as the tax lien company. We built the second business as the fix and flip business. Mm -hmm. I started another company uh, this year for here in San Diego and in Arizona doing wholesaling. Mm -hmm. You know, those are specific things but they're we're already have the expertise in the other one it's already set up the models already there yeah. um and it and it's operating already before we jump ship onto something else and as mm -hmm. soon as we're ready to invest in um in in the commercial space we're going to start another llc yeah. uh and and lend the money from the one company to the other to buy the property yeah yeah, yeah i mean that's exactly the, that's what i find especially when some of the programs like the, the one you mentioned uh you know, there's all these different courses and so oh, I want to do, I want to do wholesaling. Oh, I want to do flip. I want to do commercial. I want to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of distractions. And similarly, I think when you talk to investors, I think, you know, investors, a lot of investors, I mean, this is a great community. I think, you know, like, um, a lot of investors are more than open to talk about the type of investments they do, how they, how they're doing it, how, um, you know, they share a lot of information and they're willing to share a lot of information, but some of that information, it, it really depends on your strategy and your capabilities. You know, what, what are exactly. the resources that you have available? What's, what's available to somebody, uh, in, uh, in a market, and they, they do a killing, they're doing a great job and great investment. It may not be something that's accessible to you. Exactly. And um, it was kind of like that when we started flipping here in California, I mean, it was pretty obvious. I mean, every time we were putting an offer and stuff like that, and then we uh, would get shut down, uh, the, the offer that was actually accepted was, 
you know, way higher than our break, or it was at our break-even point. Yeah. Uh, something like that, or even higher than our break-even point. So, of course, it didn't make any sense for us to invest, you know, and risk all that money to make 0%. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so we, but it was pretty obvious that, you know, there were some people that was a, a profitable business because they had more resources, they had more money, they had a construction crew, they didn't have to pay um, commission from realtors and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's important to just really streamline what you're trying to do and then, you know, pick, pick the strategy best and not, uh, not keep running around because it's never going to, once you're an expert in something and that's working, then go to something else, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. But, like you're saying in California, um, the same thing with us, the returns didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not using our own money. We're using investors funds and we're paying a return on that. So uh, if there was 12% available in the deal and you were paying an investor 10, we're not going to do it for 2%. Yeah. So we were forced to kind of shift our, uh, our thinking and our model. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think, yeah. And so just to close on that maybe is like, yeah, you want to kind of, but you want to have to dive deep enough to say, okay, well, and really look at the problems, look at the, the gaps or the issues and then say, okay, well, I think we need to do this. We need to change market or we need to tweak the strategy or we need to find a partner or, you know, but really, absolutely, right. So kind of work it out that way. Yeah. So that's good. Very good. Uh, any, um, so, so right now you are looking, uh, you're looking for investors to, um, to work with you on some projects in Pittsburgh. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So we use all, we're always, we're always looking for new investors and we're always looking for new projects. Uh, uh-huh. We put in, we put in six offers today on, uh, properties and we have private investors lined up for a couple of them. Oh, um, but depending on, you know, how they go. So yeah. we'll see with that. But, uh, most mostly what we try to do is, is place people's funds that really don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Uh, leaving it in the market isn't really the best, obviously, right now. Yeah. If you have a self-directed IRA and you're not investing it in something that's returning you, you know, eight eight to eight percent plus, then you really should be putting that money in other places. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of our a lot of our investors have either done it on their own, they've done their own flipping. Um, or they're just tired that, you know, they don't have the time. Uh, they have a full-time job. If you're yeah. working a nine to five, it's hard to flip houses. You know, yeah. for, for us, I, I left my job in, uh, in, in 2017 and I haven't really had to, had to worry about it. You mm-hmm. know? So. And your mother is work is working full-time or was working full-time or uh, she was, uh, she was when my father passed. Um, okay. She was working at this in the school district. Okay. Uh, and then we decided to do the real estate full time. So mm-hmm. she does, she does our book. She's an ex accountant. So yeah, that, yeah. Oh, okay. that really helps. And then obviously uh, the woman's touch on the design always helps too uh, okay. for selling the homes. Yeah. You know? yeah. You have to fly. So a lot of people are asking about uh, out of state when you do these kind of out of state investments, you're doing flips and all of that. Do you have to fly to, uh, to Pittsburgh on a regular basis or? Yeah, we do. Um, so when we first started, we were out there a lot more. Um, now we go about once a quarter, but oh. it, that was to build the team. So yeah. I think you have to be present on the ground to build the teams. Otherwise mm-hmm. they take advantage of you. Yeah. So, um, we, we now do- you're only going there like once a quarter. So that's, yeah. that's really not that bad. No, and, and if we get a big project, um, like we're looking at a, a condo project, that's that's going to be in the six hundred thousand dollar range. So that's mm-hmm. something that we yeah. uh, we're going to fly out and look at and make sure um, yeah, before yeah. before we put anyone's money on the line. 
Yeah, and we, for us, it's kind of the same too. Like we, once you, it was important at the beginning to build the team, make sure that everything was okay. But after that, right now we're just flying there basically to meet the team, not mm-hmm. to go see the projects. So you just, what's happening, tweak the process, tweak the, because um, we have like a property management company that uh, we're partnering up, we're partnering with in, uh, in Cleveland and one in Memphis. So just building the team, building the interaction and the process, make sure that everything is, um, is efficient and effective. And then um, after that, it's, um, we go there when it's a multifamily, when it's an apartment building. Yeah. We go there for due diligence and because that's obviously a bigger investment. Yeah. Even the smaller ones, I do like to see the projects. Um, I used to do construction myself, though it was always my my summer job between oh, yeah. uh, between hockey and then um, in college, you know, the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was in all different aspects of construction. So I do like to go see it and uh, make sure that the bids are as accurate, you know, as, as, uh, as, as they are on paper, yeah. you, know, just, you just got to check in, you, you know, we, we got taken on a couple projects when we had first started that turnkey model up North yeah. um, by bad contracting relationships. So yeah. once, once you lose enough money in that, you want to, <laughs> you make sure you're more on top of it. So, yeah. and, and that's a lot of lessons learned. It's just taking the time uh, to do it. You learn a lot of hard lessons along the way and yeah. you hopefully avoid the big mistakes by the education. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we yeah we saw a lot also of uh, like new investors, people that come out of the um, uh, of the programs, any pro any kind of education programs for real estate investment, and then they they end up yeah. I mean, it's nice to have some somebody else to look at your deal, yeah, hear that it's okay, and that uh, the numbers make sense, and that your ARV has been calculated properly. We saw a lot of people that they completely overestimated the ARV and yeah. you know then you end up that uh, you can't make your numbers a lot of people run best case scenario and that yeah. to me is is you know I'm running worst case on everything yeah. um, we get the CMA from the realtor to confirm our ARV and we pull our ARV uh, straight through prop stream off of yeah. public data MLS data so yeah. um, there's no need to have uh, there's no need to, to to be guessing on your ARVs that needs to be that needs to be confirmed. And yeah. since we're working in specific neighborhoods, we kind of know what it's going to sell for. We know. Yeah, the now, it's, yeah now it's a lot easier. We work yeah. in a very specific neighborhoods, so we know exactly. And a lot of the time, we do so many deals that most of the time the, the comps are, are our comps. They're yeah. our house that we just sold. So, um, so that helped quite a bit. Yeah, and that's, that's what we're trying to set up more in Pittsburgh now is um, instead of working in all these different neighborhoods, let's, let's streamline the focus specifically around the new hospitals um, is where I like to be. And then we're, we're, we're the younger generations moving because you're having people yeah. move from Silicon Valley that worked for Google that were making you know, $300,000 up, up in Sacramento or San Francisco mm-hmm. and had a $2 million house and then they're yeah. buying the same a house that's even bigger and nicer in, in Pittsburgh for, you know, yeah. 500. So that's right. Now that the stock is down. Um, so they may, if they were thinking of buying a house in, uh, in the Bay area, they may think, you know, they may think again and say, well, yeah. the cash now to, uh, to buy the property. So then it may be moving out would be, I mean, you can definitely get a much better house in, uh, in Pittsburgh or out of state than you can here. That's for sure. Yeah, well, you can get, uh, I mean, you should see some of the new construction there. Um, 
you know, homes out in California, that would be like, you know, two, three, four million dollar house. And then there it's, it's under a million, you know, in there. Yeah. <laughs> it is snow there, right? Yeah. It's snows there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm allergic to snow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you had dealt with enough of that when you well, were. Well, yeah. There. You know, I've, yeah, I grew up in Quebec, so I know too much about snow that uh, I can't live. Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> that's, that's it. Um, but there was also we mentioned about the ARV and stuff like that and um, so at the beginning so often yeah you kind of get in a situation where you're uh, you kind of like overestimate the ARV we had a, another uh, situation for us we were overly cautious where we were uh, you know we were you were talking about like uh, always doing the worst case scenarios and stuff like that and uh, for us yeah we were just like we were very very um, tough on the ARV and all of that and worst case estimate and contingency on it and stuff like that. And we ended up that we not, we didn't pull the, we couldn't pull the trigger on anything because yeah. uh, it was just no deals was really that good and all of that. So finding a, finding a balance balance is better to go the go worst case scenario than optimistic, obviously. Because, oh yeah, absolutely. But at least find a balance and find an adjustment and to kind of like, Make sure that you have the right deals in your uh, in your um, in your hopper. Yeah, you don't want to. Um, I feel like when we when we started uh, the flipping, at least we were we were extremely cautious. I mean, we were throwing in like twenty percent contingency. Like, what oh, if? What if? What if? And it's, yeah. you know, you never pull the trigger on anything, and exactly. then you're yeah. too low. And yeah. you know, it, it just took it took a lot more experience, a lot more walking through the properties, um, dealing with the right agents on the ground, and. Yeah. Um, really figuring out the numbers and um, having a having a system together. I mean, yeah. we have I have five different categories for the house, um, and and that's what it goes in, and that's what it's going to cost per square foot. You yeah. know, we we know that right away. So if we oh, walk through yeah. a two thousand square foot house, um, we're doing a full gut, you know, higher end renovation. It's going to be a hundred a hundred dollars a square foot. So I know the renovation is going to be two hundred thousand. Oh, that's good. Yes, yeah. it's just much easier to evaluate deals that way. Yeah. And you know, oh, we've yeah. even We've even done it now. I mean, we have a um, a property in uh, in Lawrenceville in Pittsburgh that we ran the numbers at 460 uh, ARV and looking at what's sold around it now, um, some things over 700. We decided halfway through the project we we're going to upgrade it, so we put yeah. another 30,000 in the renovation, and we're looking at ARVs um, around 599 now. So wow. wow, big a big jump. Um, a good return on thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's just upgrading, uh, putting yeah. in commercial appliances. Um, mm -hmm. Instead of doing a cheaper facade on the outside, we did stucco. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it provides a little bit more insulation, uh, which is good down there in that area. Yeah, know, yeah. Ni nicer floors and everything. It's just upgrading. We added a coffee bar, a wine bar, um, nice shower room in the master. So like, you know, minor adjustments, like I said, $30,000 yeah. change can make a huge difference. So, yeah, that's good. Very good. Yeah. It's nice that you, you have the flexibility to kind of like do that when you see kind of like how the market is, uh, or, you know, or when you see kind of like the opportunity and you can uh, yeah can make the adjustment as you're going through. Yeah. The new construction really helped there. So the new construction selling in the sevens, I mean, we, we went down to the studs. We actually reframed it because we found out it was hit by a bus in the 70s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one. Yeah, that one. Then we had to redo the foundation everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a wow. fun house. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> Waiting on the final inspections, actually. So that's what we're this this with the city being shut down. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. We're in an interesting time. Yeah, hopefully that's gonna get resolved uh, soon, or um, you know, or uh, at least at least they would get they would get some of the inspectors out and stuff like that. I just talked to our inspector today. Um, they were originally supposed to be back on the seventh. Now they're going on the thirtieth. Oh. So another month of int interest we're paying, but yeah, you know, it's not killing the returns. So okay. Well, Jesse, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. I think it's um, you know you were thank you for sharing your your story and uh, your experience. Uh, I was wondering if you had like any kind of uh, like books. Uh, things that really kind of inspire you or that have inspired you to uh, to go on this uh, real estate investment track uh well obviously rich dad poor dad is mm -hmm. you know that that was been a, a a major book for most real estate investors um i read a lot of grant cardone's like sales books and uh, commercial real estate investing um i have a whole pile of books over here uh, <laughs> <laughs> the compound effect by darren hardy was good um leading yeah. with vision uh that that's a good book the e-myth we've you know anyone oh, yeah, e -myth, yeah, I just had read that, that. Yeah. um i'm actually reading this is the one i'm on now uh big shifts ahead oh um, yeah i read that one yeah yeah it's very good yeah you know it, I, I just like to educate myself on different forms of investing and the economy and what's going on mm -hmm. so um really any yeah Thank you, Jesse. Yeah, absolutely. Have I'm, a good uh, rest of the day. You too. Happy, happy we got to do this. Yeah, me too. Have a good day. Yeah, thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. You have a great day. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.